0: We're looking today at the book of Second Timothy. If you wanna get your Bibles out and turn with me to 2 Timothy. It's right after 1 Timothy. Chapter one, verse six. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us, and he has called us to a holy life. Would you underline that in your Bibles if you would kind that likes to defile your Bible. <laughs> Underline holy life. That's, that's part of the key mess of the, today's message. He's called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, right now we just pray that you just breathe this word into our our very being, into the core of who we are, that you are light and that you give us immortality. God, call us higher, call us into a holy life now. Make your word resonate deep within inside of us and give us encouragement and motivation and wisdom and most of all power, Lord. Your church needs power more today than any other day. The days are dark, give us your light through the power of the gospel message amen. This is, a, this is called a, one of the pastoral epistles. It is a letter written to a young church leader. He is a young pastor. If you were here last week, you, we told you that his environment was tense. Tim was, he was being pressured on all sides He was in a a cultural environment that was highly sexualized, highly materialistic. Sound familiar? So the desire for worldly pressures was intense for this young man and then the environment that he's doing ministry in. And then on the other side, uh, he is being pressured by the man, I don't know how else to say it, but we'll just say the man. Have you ever, how many people are being pressured by the man? It is a, it is a system, it is a, it's a way of thought, it's tradition, it's control, and it's main purpose is to take away that personal relationship and connection with Jesus. Personal, personal communication with Jesus without counting off beads, without saying a little mantra, without trying to be following all the moral rules. No, 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 grace is this relationship with with Jesus where you just have a conversation with your friend or you have a conversation with a heavenly father or you allow the Holy Spirit to move you into greater things. It's personal. So Timothy is fighting this lustly desire, these passions of the flesh, and he's fighting a religious controlling system, the man. So he's being torn in between the, these two things. To make matters worse, all of his friends are leaving him. We are further along. We are we're past God, we're past. The acts. We're past the the really cool stuff. Like everything is kind of I, I don't want to say it's winding down, but the revival is burned off a little bit, and people are they're they're getting jaded, they're falling away from the faith. Uh, Paul is like once again. Paul's in prison. Go imagine that. But Paul once again he is in prison, and they call this they call this book this letter his swan song because most likely this is the last letter that he's ever written in jail and the sad thing about it he's writing and he's you know he's saying all of my friends have abandoned me well except for Mark and Luke maybe but everybody's left and I'm in jail and (laughs) and he says no one's visiting me this is kind of the unfortunate truth so he's being pulled by by all these different forces and to make matters worse even Wonder Woman is after Tim seriously it is, the, it is the cult of Wonder Woman. It's, the Ephesus is, uh, was founded by the Amazons, which is where Wonder Woman came from. Anyway, so interesting nerd note there. So Paul is writing this letter of encouragement to a young person for motivation, for keeping going, for not giving up, for not losing hope. How many people need to be motivated? Hmm? You need it? Yeah, I know. You need, it is okay to get these encouraging words. Now, um, it's like a big deal. It's actually a market. Like, there are, there's like a self-help book market in America. It's a big seller. There's big money in it. Because what's, because if you're down in the dumps, this is not just a spiritual principle, it's a practical principle too. If you're completely down in the dumps, if you're completely negative all the time, and if you lose hope for your future, guess what? Whether you have God or not, you're just just not going to make it. But here's what I'm saying for you today. I'm just going to give you encouragement and motivation, not only to be successful in your practical and everyday life, but you need to be motivated and you need to keep the faith. And that's what... Tim, that's what Paul is saying to Tim, you gotta keep the faith. He does it, I came up with five points. I I got a seven point sermon for you today, let's go. Point number one, in order to stay motivated and keeping encouragement in an intense environment, keep your faith when you're feeling pressured on all sides. Number one is you need to watch your theology. Stay encouraged, stay motivated by watching your theology. Do you actually know what is true about your faith? How much confidence do you have in your faith, in what you actually believe, in the like, in in sound doctrine? Now, this is uh, Second Timothy is like last week. Um, it, it's written to a specific person and it's for a specific audience, right? We learned about exegesis, that big churchy word last week, we, it's, it's, we have to put it in its historical context. So th- this is similar in that Paul, or Paul's writing to a specific person, to a specific situation, yet Timothy is unique, Second Timothy is unique because it is prophetic. This is one of the prophetic books because he's speaking to a situation but then Paul has this amazing ability to see directly into the future and he's talking about us. And so you're gonna see, you know, it's very clear actually when we get into it, you're going to see that this is, like, like Paul is able to see where you're at today. And, and well, I think we're in the end times and this will you'll see. All right, so this is what he says. This is chapter two, verse 16. in in order to stay motivated by watching your theology. As we are are living in a, we've been able to degenerate the gospel. When I say we, I say the American church has degenerated the gospel. We have watered down the truth. We've made it easier for people to swallow, right? We've manipulated it and we've twisted it. And this is what he has to say to that. Paul says to Tim, avoid godless chatter because of those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. This is what I like. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. And I love that. Uh, among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus. They, they have departed from the faith. How would you like to have your name in the Bible forever of the, of." Somebody that has departed from the faith. This is, Paul has a tendency to call people out like this. All right, let's just get real. How many people in the room know somebody that was once on fire from the Lord and now have departed from the faith? Probably most everybody. You have somebody in your life that has left the faith. This message is for us today. It happened 2,000 years ago, too. So we're just not that special. It's a, it's a condition. Ter, uh, verse 23, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. They're arguing, quarreling about theology. Because you know they produce quarrels And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone and able to teach and not resentful. Okay, this is you. I mean, this is a pastoral epistle. It's written to a pastor. He's saying, you just need to, you need to not be a jerk, right? That's pretty much what he's saying, but he's speaking to you too. You are the Lord's servant. So how do you handle people? How do you handle difficult situations? Do you blow them up? No, Paul's saying you use grace. Opponents must be instructed gently or gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance leading them to knowledge of the truth. And they will... Come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Okay, quick note here. If you are the type of individual, if you're the type of personality that thrives, enjoys conflict, like if conflict gets your blood boiling and that makes you feel alive to seek out a fight, Like If your home life, if your marriage is boring and you want to spice it up and so you pick a fight with your spouse, if you, if you thrive for conflict, um, that is actually not who God has made you to be. You might say, well, that's just who I am. I'm, that's just my personality. I'm not, it's not. That's a big fat lie if you seek after conflicts and arguments. It's not who you are. It's not how God views you in heaven. No, you are in the Satan's trap is what Paul just says. You've fallen prey to Satan's schemes. God wants to release you from it. Chapter three, verse one. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. This is where we are at right now, I believe it. Been watching the news? Been watch- <laughs> There will be terrible times in the last days. Now listen to this. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash. Conceited? And here's the, here's the telltale. Here's the, what we have to make sure our hearts are at. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Does this sound familiar? Does this sound like our culture? I honestly believe that Paul was probably even getting an open vision of the 21st century here. He is seeing what we are going through. Now, here's the kicker to this because you think that he's talking about a bunch of pagans, but he's not. This is the church that he's talking about. All of these horrible things that we, you know, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, uh, ungrateful, resentful, all of these negative things he is seeing kind of welling up within the body of Christ like a cancer, like gangrene. It's disgusting. Paul's like, oh my gosh, we've fought for so much and then this stuff is just seeping in and people are arguing and complaining and being divisive and hurting each other and not forgiving each other. It's just downright ugliness. And here's, the, here's where he gets into the area of our hearts. No, 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 see, the children of God, right now the problem is they are lovers of pleasure. More than they are lovers of God, hmm? so let's just do a. I'm gonna push on you a little bit this morning. Where are the affections of your heart? Where do they lie? Maybe you're okay, but where are the affections of your children? Huh? And that's hard. I know that's difficult. If the affections of your children are geared towards the world and not towards the Lord, you just uh, you just got to hit your knees fervently downright dirty spiritual warfare. You need to intercede and step in the gap for your kids if they have a heart for this world and not for the Lord. I don't wanna put guilt on you because sometimes it's just not our fault. You could be the best godly parent in the entire world and your children are still going to rebel. It's just the unfortunate truth. God's got a million, billion kids that have done the same thing, so don't feel bad, right? So if God's children rebel, then if you're, you know, don't feel so bad that your children rebel, but you do have to raise them up as Timothy was raised. Chapter four, verse three, for there will come a time when people, they will not put up with sound doctrine, but instead to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Right? This is the problem with uh, another issue with the the church is we really don't tell people the truth. We will tell them what they want to hear. I'm sure I've been guilty of the same thing because it's really important that we have warm bodies in the building. Because yeah? if we don't, well then we just might have to shut the door someday. And so a lot of pastors will function out of a, out of an impulse of fear that they're going to offend people with the gospel message. And so therefore, they'll water down the gospel. They won't tell the truth, but they will scratch people's ears, right? And this is what we've seen in culture is that a lot of church goers, they become collectors of pastors. But a little more specifically, because this is the heart of the issue, actually they become collectors of gurus. They become um, collectors of mentors, right? You know what? The pastor wasn't working out for me, so now I'm gonna get myself a life coach, right? Remember the whole life coach thing not too long ago? Uh, I'm not being built up enough, so I'm gonna go, It's, it's just, it's consumerism basically. And I'll, I'll just like some of you, this won't be your last church. So some of it, is just, it's just what God moves us around. I understand that. Completely okay with that. But I will tell you this: like, do not, do not, do not engage into a church because of the man on the stage and what knowledge he can dump on you. Now you know, you engage to be a part of a family, the family of God. That's what keeps you there. Yeah. I'm part of the family, too, so you still got to like me. Um, But do you see what I'm saying? And and again, it all gets back into consumerism. What is in it for me? What do I get out of this? And as soon as the pastor's script gets old, or as soon as the guru is is not teaching me something new, then I'm off to something else. But what God... Like, real maturity, real growth happens inside of community, not from a lecture, not from a lectern, not from a guru. It just doesn't. It happens like this. I encourage you all. Who are you doing life with? Where are you serving God? Where are you giving of yourself? It's it's crucial. It's actually sound doctrine, believe it or not. They will turn their ears away from the truth, and they will turn aside, and they will turn themselves to, to miss. But you, you keep your head situated on your shoulders. Keep your head about you. Endure hardship. Do the work of a minister. All right, second point. To stay motivated and encouragement and faith. Motivated into faith. Number two is um, stay motivated by tapping into your history with God. Your spiritual heritage. Some of us have an incredible spiritual heritage. Timothy had an incredible spiritual heritage. Paul says, I I notice and I see your sincere faith. And it's interesting. So Paul's speaking to Timothy, I see your sincere faith. I noticed it. There it is. And I saw the same exact thing in your grandmother Lois. And I saw the same exact thing. What's the other, what's what's grandma's name? Eunice. I saw, there's like a reflection of their faith. So if you have a grandma that's been praying for you, if you have parents that, that have led you in the faith, you need just, it is completely okay. Even though you're not under their covering anymore, you can still draft off of them. And if you don't, everybody in this room has some type of history with God. When, was, when did you get saved? How many years ago was it? How excited were you? If you need to be motivated, review your history with God. When did he heal you? When did you get the breakthrough, the answer of prayer? See, there's hope. You've got to review this stuff. And if you don't have a spiritual heritage, the day is the day that maybe you start something new in your family, you rewrite your family tree. You will be the one. Your grandchildren will draft off of your spirituality. Number three, to stay motivated. You need to be motivated by uh, this thing. The, The word of God. This is a resource. This is what it says. Uh, This is one of the famous scriptures, chapter three, uh, verse 16, this is the other 316 verse in the Bible. All scripture is God breathed, and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped, thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you need a resource, if you need to be encouraged, Get the word of God, all scripture, the whole book. Hopefully we're seeing this in the series that we're in. If you understand it in its context, in its entirety, if you can see Genesis to Revelation from end to end, and you can see God's grace in it, it will equip you to be good, to do better, to survive, and not only to survive, but to thrive. And you have to get this, all scripture is what? What is it? It's God breathed. It's outside and gets in us. It is God's message to us. These are the words of God, our creator. It is not a history, which some churches believe. It is not a history or an account of man's interaction with God. Again, that's a twisted theology. The truth is, this is God speaking directly to you, to us, to encourage us. So grab a hold of the book, eat it, ingest it, inhale it, know it, memorize it, get it inside of you, and you will be equipped to do every good work. Number four, stay motivated by the transfer of power. That sounds really weird. But we need to, be st- we need to stay motivated, encouraged, keep going, keep knowing that you can do it by, ready, this is really weird, by the supernatural transference of power. Yeah, what does that mean? That means, quite frankly, I have something that most of you do not and I want to give it to you, desperately. This is, I'll give you an example. I read this earlier. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 7. Fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us, uh, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self discipline. Are you lacking any of those? Where does it come from? So some of uh, Tim's strength, some of his endurance, came, comes from mom and grandma, comes from the Word, comes from being in fellowship, comes from you know, being in church. But also, Paul says here, through the laying on of my hands you have received power see the holy spirit comes in you when you become a christian when you say the words and you believe in your heart that jesus is lord you get that you really do you get a, you get a spark of the holy spirit but then you just really need to understand that he he the person holy spirit is he wants to go into a relationship with you, too. And he wants to, like, it's a, I don't understand it completely. Once I figure it out, I'll tell you. But it's an internal, external thing. Like, there is an external power that you need. And Paul is saying, you get it up by the laying on of hands end of the service. We're going to do prayer time, ministry time. If you need it, just go back there. We made a little section where we can continue to minister to people by the laying on of hands. In this church, there are elders and pastors and leaders that have caught the fire. They have fanned into flame the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, planted into them. They just did not let it sit fallow. They poured gasoline on it, and they allowed the Holy Spirit to move powerfully in them. And it is for you you can do it, you have it. If Paul was writing to you right now, he'd say this is fan into flame, what God did in you all of those years ago. Let's bring it back up to the surface. Let's light it up. This one's interesting, number five, last point. Stay motivated by going for a crown. By going for a crown. Some of us just go for, heaven. we just go for salvation, right? How many people, all you really care about is just making sure that you go to heaven, right? The gift of eternity through the grace of Jesus is absolutely mind-boggling. That we don't really have, we don't have to do anything but just believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. I mean, it's really that simple, yet it's so complicated to do. But it's really that simple. So heaven is really easy to obtain. And here's the, here's the unfortunate truth that most of us don't realize. Once you accept Jesus into your life, is that you already have heaven. You have already obtained it. You've already obtained eternity. So it's not like you're, you're going to die and then go into eternity. No, once you step across the line of faith, you have gone into eternity and here's what the, here's what Jesus says in his prayer. Uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we have the believer, the, the one that is spirit-filled, the one that has eyes to see and ears to hear. He has the incredible, he or she has the incredible opportunity to actually step into heaven on earth. Isn't that cool? Like we could have glimpses, experiences of heaven. Like it is not. Irrational to believe. That right here, right here in this place, in this time, in our setting, that we can go to heaven. Like if all of our hearts were set on corporate worship, if we would love Jesus more than worthy pleasures, if we bowed our knee, cried out to him for mercy. The Pew Research... Pew research just came out with a statistic that 70% of Americans call themselves Christians and that they all go to church. That's a big lie, right? Could you imagine if 70% of our congregation had their fire lit? Of this, this conversation, this, like if we all had the heart that Paul had where well, we're willing to go to jail for this thing that we call the faith, huh? what would happen? Paul goes after a crown. He's already obtained heaven. Heaven's cool. He's seen it. He's been there. He's, he says he even went up to the third heaven. I have no idea what that means. Again, this is a swan song. Verse, chapter 4, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Remember, all of his people have left him. And then this letter, too, he also says, uh, Can somebody please bring me my coat? because I'm in jail and I'm freezing and you think that you guys would know it by now that maybe you should help each other out, like giving me my coat, kind of weird, right? This is how we know that like, the, the gospel is degenerated because the community is broken down because they can't even take care of their apostle. They can't even bring him his coat. They're so self-centered, they can't think about somebody else's needs. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward me on that day. And not only me, but also all who have longed for his appearing to be with Jesus. We get to go for a crown. All right, if I can have the band to come on up to the front. There's my five points. Here's what I want to say. Go for heaven, sure, but also go for a crown. And here's what we need to know about heaven. Heaven is not like ASO soccer. It is, but it isn't. It's like ASO soccer in that everybody gets to play, but it is not like modern-day ASO soccer where everybody gets a trophy. Like, you might be going to heaven, good for you. Some of us are getting there by the skin of our teeth. That's awesome. But some of us are going to heaven, and we are going to get that trophy. We're going to get that crown. I don't think that there's anything wrong with having that. I think we should go for the crown. Why not? Because what do we get to offer Jesus when we are at his throne? We offer him our crown. That's what we get to give him. And some of us get to give him our plaque, because we've gotten into heaven by the skin of our teeth, because we decided not to live a holy life, where we just accepted the grace of Jesus, but we did not respond to his call of a holy life. Let me just end with this, Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and not lose heart he has saved us but he's also calling us to a holy life not because of anything that we've done but because of his grace because he actually wants us to live a better life transform not only our families but this world Let's pray. And then in this last song, um, if you would, if you need prayer for anything, like um, there's healing in the room today, like physical, actually anointed physical healing. Uh, so my hands are going off. That means that somebody's going to get healed today. And uh, I want to, I want to encourage you after, during this song, as long as you need to, just go over here to this section of the church, and our elders and prayer partners, and and whoever else is. God's moving in, uh, you need to have them lay hands on you for the transference of power and physical healing and anointing, and I want to encourage you to do that. And, um, and here's where I'm going to push on you again. Like, you're, Hopefully you're not one of the, the 70% that think that they're in a right relationship with Jesus where they're actually self-deceived. Like this message today, it's a, it's a word of encouragement, but I think it's also a reality check. This is an amazing church. The last baptism we did, I don't know, we baptized some 15 people, and every single one of them, I could really feel the presence of the Holy Spirit from our youngest to our oldest. Like they all love Jesus. They believed in their heart that Jesus was Lord. They were confessing with their mouth that he is Lord, every single one of them. Like they were not just baptized in water, they were baptized in fire on that day. And they're gonna remember it for the rest of their lives. I can't say that is true for every single baptism that we've ever had. I've baptized people, I'm like, oh my gosh, we need to send them down again. it's like, you know, I had those old washboards. It's like, we need to get a washboard in the baptism. We need to scrub this stuff off because the corpse is still coming out of the water. Mommy and daddy has forced their child to do this for whatever reason. You know, if, you, if, if your mom and dad made you get baptized, uh, don't believe the lie. God's calling you into holiness. God's calling you into righteous behavior. He's saying, no, 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 I know you love the world, but why don't you love me instead? Because it's a better deal. It is a way better deal. Let's pray. I'm gonna pray for two things. I'm gonna pray for salvations. Three things, I'm gonna pray for salvations. I'm gonna pray for rededications. I'm gonna pray for physical healing. And if you need any of those, again, we've got people that, are, that love you, I guarantee it. We have people that love you to death, and they might not even know you, but they love you because they spent all morning praying for you, and they love you, and they're here to catch you, and they're here to show you how cool Jesus is. Heavenly Father, right now, we just ask your Holy Spirit to seal this day. Seal our hearts, God. I pray that the Holy Spirit would just minister to us in the depth of our core, that we will just fall completely in love with you today. And God, right now, if you're tugging on anybody's heart for salvation, if you said the prayer, like if you mimicked the magic words that the evangelist said and then you went right back into living that lifestyle, I just don't think that it took because you just weren't captivated by it. So maybe you heard a message that was based on guilt and shame and if my message came off that way I'm sorry but it is by the grace of God that we are saved and I'm going to tell you that should just captivate who we are no 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 folks beloved God is good and he's here to save us and he's here to save you if you don't have the assurance of salvation this morning raise your hand take a look at me good to go then if you need if the call of the holy life is a call that it is on you if you need to rededicate your life to say this prayer with me and then go after the impartation of the laying on of hands Heavenly Father, right now, I just pray that you just, your Holy Spirit will not only just minister to me and guide me and motivate me and encourage me, but it will also convict me of my sin. So forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my apathetic attitude towards your presence. And touch me and feel me, Lord. Seal this right now. In your name, our Jesus.